Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Really? That's the character we kill? <laughs> Let's talk about it. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. You know, <sighs> that's why people call you Duche. You understand? <laughs> that is exactly his superpower. I've been saying this for years. That is Steven's superpower, Duche in full effect right oh now. I'm sorry. God. It's just all my thoughts. I'm with right you. there. If you're not aware of which character Duche is speaking of, it is Crystal Shatter. Crystal Shatter. Crystal Shatter. Crystal Shatter. I mean, how are they going to get their good vibes if they don't have their crystal next to them? Guys, I don't know what's going to happen. Joining us, we're talking about Episode 6, Imprint, with a capital M. Hosting tonight is the fabulous Steph Sabra to my left. Hello. The amazing Tehran Van Gossery to my left. Did you like that? I did a... Okay, never mind. (laughs) Cool. And <laughs> welcoming back the amazing Heather Wake to my left. So late as well. It was the opposite of mine. Exactly. If you haven't picked it up, I'm all the way to the right by now. Because um, right. they're all on my left. Uh, we're talking about this crazy episode. There's a lot of good in this episode. There was a, a lot, lot of, good. of really cool stuff. I love the backstory with Shatter. I love the backstory with Esme. Um, I like that we're developing Riva a bit more outside of her just being, oh, and I'm. <laughs> Excited about the prospects of what could happen with Lauren, Andy, and mm-hmm. Rebecca in this little weird love triangle of, like... <laughs> no, it's a love triangle in the sense that, like, it's platonic love. Let's just leave it at that. Um, So, we're going to be breaking down John and Reed, then Lorna and Esme, then we're going to talk about Lauren and Andy, and then Lauren and Kate, then we're talking about Jason the Purifiers. Can't exactly side with Chase as much this episode as I did last episode, so just going to put a pin in that. And then we'll talk about, of course, Shatter, and then lastly, Reed, before we get into predictions. But overall thoughts, everybody, what do you think, Heather? This is my favorite episode of the season. It's pretty good, right? For sure. I mean, it focused on all of my favorite characters, because I love the Frost sisters. I had a little bit more Polaris. This is, like, the most she's talked this entire season. And even though it was the setup for an untimely death... Mm. I did like uh, Shatter's backstory as well. It was just all good. I feel like it's finally building up momentum. Question, who was Shatter again? Which one was it? It, it couldn't have been the black guy that they just killed for no reason, right? <laughs> that, that, that couldn't be Shatter. I feel like that would not be his name. The guy who's bulletproof and cannot be killed, got killed by a bullet, and whose name is Shatter. Yeah, he ironically. only gained that name after the fact. The Shatter. Other I mean, I, I, he wasn't killed for that reason. He delayed them. For what? Oh, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. However, I will agree with Heather that this was by far my favorite episode of the season. We got a lot of tidbits. Uh, Ismay, I love. Lorna, I love. Reva, I love. Even Andy, I'm starting, uh, even though I hated the whole cutesy IHOP scene they had in the beginning, I'm still, I'm really starting to like him and Rebecca. Even Mom didn't bother me this episode. It was actually a fun, good, action-packed tidbits, backstory. 
And I think we need to talk about the Creed financial aspect. A little bit. I think that's a big Easter egg right there. A little bit. Yeah, I really, for all the same reasons, I think that it's getting all the characters where we need them to be. Um, there's Sheesh, a, having original thoughts. There's some <laughs> plot holes. Uh, there's not, we all are on the same page. I really like the episode, but I, I'm really still pissed about Shatter. Pissed about Shatter. I felt like I missed an episode. There was some things that, like, in this episode made me so off kilter. And I'm going to list them off right now just to see if we're all on the same page. You can join us in the chat. Um... Since when did Lauren and Andy realize that they could, like, actually talk to each other in the dream? And Check. she was just so cognizant of the fact that she could talk to him, he would respond, as opposed to, like, living out a scene. Um, Check. They had the blood thing in the scene, which was cool. She tested that it would happen, but it's still kind of weird. Um, Reed, why was he acting like a spoiled brat? Check. Uh, the whole thing was he's intelligent enough to know that he should have to control his powers... And he's just acting like he doesn't want to have to control his powers. So that was weird. Um, moving forward. Well, I mean, there was a few things. What was the other thing? Why I killed the black guy. Can, can we just... Let's just pop, let's we're, talk we're saving that for last. I don't think we are. I think we need to talk about it. I need um, to talk about it. Okay, the other thing was John... All uh, we So when we got the bit of humanity from Esme two or three episodes ago... It just kind of disappeared, and a lot of the fans were like, where did that go? Why is she totally just on board with what they're doing again? And now it's just suddenly back in full force, as if the last two episodes where she's completely not giving into her emotions at all happened. And then now we have John, who's been super emotional for the past few episodes, and just completely is fine this episode. So what was that about last week, you saying that he was going to have a big redemption moment? Yeah. Which one? What, what happened? Jace? For Jace, yeah. I didn't think it would be this he episode. Thinks, I thought oh, it was going to be oh, the season. Yeah, the season. Slow burn. Yeah. yeah. But, um, and oh. in the episode you missed that none of us saw, John got his confidence back. <laughs> got and it. And became. Okay. How, so just like, just like that. So there was an episode that none of us saw in which Lauren became very cognizant of her dream abilities with her brother. There was an episode where John had a really good day. His football team's won. He just had like a, a, a beer and he was like, wow, what was I doing? This pity party's over. And he became just that powerful leader that we had become accustomed to. And then what about Esme? Oh, with Esme. Esme see, this is the thing about Esme that you didn't see in the episode you didn't watch. Is that Esme finally became right back on board because her and Reva had a heart to heart and they had some pumpkin spice latte. And that is the basic bitch drink of choice. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I'm glad uh, Tehran caught us up on the episode that <laughs> nobody saw. Yes. That is between episode five and six of this season yeah, of it The was, Gifted. It's episode 5.5. <laughs> A lot of people don't realize that. It yeah. was like the. What the was platform. it called, Tehran? What, what word had a capital M in it? It was called M. Mistake. Capital M. Mistake. Very good. Oh, God. Okay. Let's move into. Well, do you want to talk about John and Reed or do you want to talk about. Crystal ball. Killing the Crystal Man. Tehran, you are the only one who can talk about this. Go okay, let me, let me talk, <laughs> talk directly. Let me explain. Killing Crystal. Okay. I know you guys love calling him Shatter, but I just refuse to call him that. We, and, and we'd seen touches of Shatter. His we'd name seen, was so foreshadowing, too. Like, damn. But this was just so... And I'll tell you why. There was, as Steven and I discussed during the 
during the episode, there was just no reason for him to run outside. I would understand if they were shooting and he went so that they would shoot at him instead and just misguide them. But no, they weren't even shooting. They were just setting up. They had all the time. The underground had all the time in the world for uh, for Reed to just activate his powers, go into the wall, and go. But no. You know what the writers decided to do? They said, someone needs to die. Someone needs to die. It's going to make it exciting. We haven't had enough excitement, even though they had in that one episode. Someone needs to die. Who should we kill? Hmm. Let's go through the list. Was it the cute little white kid that was clearly oh. easily expended? <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Can't kill him. America would be mad. You know, if you don't remember which white kid, it's the white kid who shot his power outside and, and then just went back in. Was it Flashlight who shot his power into nothingness in the game? <laughs> no. No, it wasn't him either because clearly he's a main character. You know who I think would be expendable? Would it be anyone else in the camp that they had? They had one guy who was made out of clay or whatever with a beard that no one cared about. No. No. We need to kill someone that everyone feels some type of way about. Someone who's had an actual story arc in this episode. Someone who we've seen a different side. Well... Hmm. Do you think that the actor like got the script and he's like, oh my god, I get into my backstory. This is awesome. I wonder what else happened. <laughs> what? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Damn it! It's like they're all sitting on a couch. Who do we kill? Hmm. Dartboard. Black guy. I don't know. Yeah. Something's just pulling me this direction. And it's not even, at this point, it's not, I, I, I hope that the writers didn't say, hey, let's pick this guy racially. It it, it didn't make <laughs> sense at this point. If Shatter was Splatter, his white brother, compatriot, and he just went out there and got splattered, I would also feel the same way. There was no need for this character to go outside and draw people's fire. I mean, I will disagree in one way. And yes. it's the only way that I can think of is if it does not become knowledge that Shatter is dead. Um, but I mean, they talked about how they're reporting him dead, but the, the only thing I was thinking is, is if the purifiers can be seen as heroes that would have to be like, they killed Shatter, but then he shattered and then nobody knew that they actually killed somebody. Like that's the only conceivable way where from a story standpoint, Mm. it works in that Jace gets the guilt of killing somebody, but the purifiers don't get labeled as murderers at all because they captured all the mutants without any casualties. So like, but they weren't labeled as murderers. They, they realized that this person had killed the father of three, yeah, and that that was the redemption is that it was in self-defense. And so, as a plot for storyline, I'm going to disagree and say it actually helped move the plot along. It was just easy writing. It was just pointless. And that's all. Had there been a situation where they had come in and killed him, I would also have been on board with that. It's the fact that they sent him as a sacrifice when he didn't need to be sacrificed, and then they killed him. They set it up, they foreshadowed it with Mr. 50 Cal at the meeting, and then it happened to be the 50 caliber gun that shot and killed him with one single bullet after he proclaims small armor armaments don't hurt me goes out there and he gets shot and he gets killed and that's why it's just one of those situations where you're like black guy always dies yeah and uh, i'm not saying that shatter didn't die i'm saying they could have covered it up if his body shattered they i could understand. have just swept it under the rug but that wasn't that wasn't the point the point was to have jace <laughs> Sorry. that's too soon so jace it's to have jace question some things to show his humanity for us to still like him that's not the way we yeah. wanted to it's, go down so we still kind of side with jace even though he's like doing hate crimes you know like they're a cool thing to do but they're not my problem with that scene is, and we were ta- we were all talking about it, why didn't anyone else, like, Reed was doing his thing, but Eclipse was shooting into nowhere. I feel like Eclipse himself could have handled that entire car. That, and 
let me tell you something, guys. We're dealing with Rebecca, who's like a kid but has super strong powers. Andy and Lauren have strong powers. We're introduced to kids who have strong powers. There is an entire building full of mutants, and none of them have any powers that can do anything to help the situation. No, there was a kid there. He was white. He had a power that could help. He could actually incapacitate people with his shot. And he only shot one person, said, got him, and then literally left right after that. Yeah, and then also, wouldn't it have been a smarter idea to just have Shatter turn the wall to crystal and punch it out? That's I was thinking of all that stuff as we watched I was it. like, there's so many ways Eclipse could have blasted down the wall. Like, there's so many ways they could have gotten through the wall. I guess they were never clear on if he only turned flesh into crystal. He no, said he turns he everything. He says he turns no. everything. Well, now we will never one. know because they <laughs> killed him. They literally just killed a character who... It's not so much that we had an affinity for him or not. It just seemed like a pointless death. Now, in the effect of this is a person who was supposed to have died on 7-11. What's the date? 7-14. So who was supposed to have died on 7-14 and is now found alive. And, and it actually justifies Jace's yeah. conspiracy chase. Sure. But any of the mutants that were in that camp could have done the same thing. Just why kill him in this way? I understand I understand what they were trying to accomplish. It just seemed to come off lazy writing. Other than that, the entire episode was amazing. At least I think, we got a story, though. I think part of it is because he's been recurring, too, in the episodes. He is visible, so it will mean more for his death than versus, you know, random kid it's that just, just showed up like, this episode. It's just, I would have loved to see it matter. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I black, I don't, black crystal lives matter? Yes, Steven. <laughs> we've been saying this. No, it's just, well, yes, but like, it's just... <laughs> It sucks that it just seems so pointless. There's an episode of Doctor Who with David Tennant where the sun is, like, boiling a space station, and they're in the ventilation system, and a guy goes, I'm going to hang back to to delay them. And then it doesn't do anything. It just kills the guy. And, like, this is exactly what that is. It's when they just kill a character for no freaking reason. What I would have liked is that freaking off-kilter guy from the purifiers... To go let loose with some bullets and Shatter maybe, like, takes a bullet and saves somebody. And saves someone, like, exactly. Something to make it matter. That would have like, been, and saved the kid's life. The same kid that just shot someone and ran in. I, I completely agree. Shatter could have blocked blocked a shot, saved. While Reed is getting doing his thing, Shatter is standing there blocking the shots, taking these bullets. Yeah, here's the, here's the rewrite of the scene. Shatter runs out there getting small arms fire. He's fighting the guy. The kid comes out. And shoots the web, knocks a guy down, and then the guy with the 50 cals behind him takes aim at the kid. JCL's no, Shatter runs and jumps in front of the kid, getting shot. Shatter's dead, Jace gets his humanity <laughs> thing, Shatter proves that they escaped, and he didn't die for no reason. He at least saved the little white boy. Douche. <laughs> Douche. Sorry. All right, I'm going to move on. Let's talk about John and Reed. We got Shatter out of the way. Uh, got some feelings. I don't know. What do you guys think in the chat? Comment below, because I'm sure... Like, I don't mind them killing characters. I just want it to matter. I just really want it to matter. Let's go ahead and talk about Black John and Reed. lives matter. <laughs> Thank you, Tehran. <laughs> Hopefully everyone voted. Um, John and Reed. True. So uh, John's teaching Reed. I'm totally caught off guard by Reed's attitude about this. I don't know. What do you guys think of these scenes? Um, I almost want to faux scientifically explain it like oh well you know i mean this is it's sort of like he's having a chemical imbalance you know since all since his mutant powers are finally kicking in so so it's not his fault of course i mean i don't know he's is being kind of a, a wussy 
angsty teenager about it. He is Andy. He's acting exactly like <laughs> how Andy oh was. Oh my god, I hate that you just said that because now, now I can't not see it. <laughs> um, I, I feel like it's understandable. Obviously none of us can relate per, on a personal level. It must feel really weird and... <laughs> Don't speak. Speak for yourself, Steph. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot. You guys both have developed mutant powers. Um, but I, I I, feel like this whole season has kind of been weird for Reed and John. I, I don't really like either of their character arcs that much this season, and they're two of my favorite characters. So I'm hoping it's just kind of to move their to make them have more depth, but it's not working for me exactly right now. It's just the characters seem to be moody as opposed to, like, in a mood. (laughs) It's like, instead of having it be, like, an event that happens that changes them and then having that change continue until it's fixed, it's like, let's just forget about that change for a few scenes and then bring it back randomly. Well, it's... I understand where everyone on the panel feels about Reed's behavior. I just want to give it a different side. Okay. The different side is this is a person who has basically denied his mutant ability his entire life. He was It was suppressed, it was oppressed, and it was, for all intents and purposes, in a social way, disenfranchised. Meaning, he became a person who actually went after mutants. This is a person who was taught that that side of himself was bad. I will equate it, I will equate it, and I, I don't mean to make this a, a, a entire racial thing, the scene, but I will equate it to people who have mixed backgrounds who are half black, half white, but have been told in some way that their black side is a bad side because they were raised with their white family. And when put in that position, you see similar meltdowns socially. And there's an entire entire study to this. And and it's something where Reed is, even though he's clearly helping the mutants, clearly he's been around mutants, he's a man of logic. In this particular case, he has no logic when it comes to it because it is his weakness. It is his pain that he's been covering up his entire life. He he feels ashamed of it. Even the way he says at the end where he says, get back, get back. It's almost not for their safety. It's almost, don't look at me after the face gets yeah. cut up. Like, don't look at me. I'm ashamed of who I am. And that's the thing. It's the shame. It's the guilt. And those things manifest themselves because, for all intents and purposes, he has emotionally reverted to being a teenager, the same teenager that got punished for having having these feelings, the same way someone who might be uh, hiding their sexuality, someone who might be hiding the fact that they've become sexual beings, like hiding, masturbating from their parents. It's the same... It's the same thing. He's become a teenager and You all really of had us. me at the beginning of the argument. I was like, dang, Daryl. But it's true. Work. You're hiding you're <laughs> hiding, you're ashamed of I it. I mean your He's first ashamed. your first analogy was the most was the most poignant one, I think. <laughs> but I just wanted to say the last one. You wanted one. to say masturbation. I wanted to say it, and I also wanted to talk about the fact that he now melts through and things. And the whole time the you're concept. saying this, I'm just thinking of you teaching a half-black dude about his black side. But it's it's a real thing. and, and No, I get he's it. Hiding, and he's become, he's manifesting that teenage side, like Steph said, he's become Andy. He has become Andy because that's where that emotional growth left off. I agree. Heather. It's like John warned him. You, not only did your father rob you of your power, he robbed you of an outlet for processing these repressed emotions. So years and years, there could have been building up. seasons of The Gifted with Reed. Yeah, but he missed out on his series on Fox. <laughs> no, you Touché. it was you just You're, missed it. This is what I'm talking. Yeah, about. it was actually episode five point six. Mm-hmm. You actually messed. <laughs> there was a whole flashback episode. Yeah. There was. 
Um, but no, it does make sense. He is acting exactly like Andy. I didn't think of that, so that's really cool, guys. Steph, what do you think of this? About well, of the whole analogy. And- oh, I think the analogy is spot on. I uh, people in the chat feel the same way. They're kind of. Um, aggravated at the situation but i think the mutant underground's future really depends on reed stepping up to the plate so he has to make a turnaround what's weird to me is that it's not somebody whose mutant powers are seen on the outside that's teaching reed but that's the only thing that i thought was interesting because john's such a normal person that his transition into powers could not have been as Tumultuous. Tumultuous as, like, uh, Blink or as... Eclipse. Eclipse. Who should be the one teaching Reed. You have the power that's the closest to his at at this point. Mm -hmm. You have this destructive power that you've learned how to control. You must have had some type of growing pain. And you should be telling Reed, hey, Reed, breathe. Blah, blah, blah. John just had to avoid chilly night. (laughs) Um, Let's move on to Lorna and Esme as I tell a terrible joke and uh, talk about this awesome storyline with Esme. I really dig it. They leave it to Esme to convince Lorna to be all in on this plan because Lorna is smart. So she's like, hey, what the F? Tell me the plan. We're about to get shot by bullets and all sorts of stuff because bullets are her only weakness. Except she's very strong about them. Um, we get a great, great, great scene where they go out as yoga moms. Love that. And Esme tells her the story of being clones. Did this three guys first swerve at all that she's not triplets? Oh, yeah. Or that she's not even human, really? She's a clone? Well, yeah, that's what I'm wondering. If it, Did they have one child? and they cl- Who are they cloned after is my question. I think it's Esme. Yeah, I, think it? I think that's how it is in the comics. That's what I really mm-hmm. liked about it. We thought that this was going to be... We asked that last season um, if because we knew that there was five in the comics. So it was cool to see that they represented the story well because a lot of the comic characters have changed a lot of the origin mm-hmm. stories. But this one seemed pretty spot on, which it should because she. it's such a cool character. They're such cool characters. I, for some reason, knew that they were clones. And when I say for some reason, it's not something that I assumed or it's a piece of information that I picked up somewhere. I'm wondering if it's when I did the interview with them where I've where that was a part of the information given. I'm going to look back at that, um, both those interviews. So it's interesting. I never thought of her not as clones. I did like the fact that they introduced all five of them mm-hmm. the way Steph said because it is su- such a pertinent part of the comic book. I loved that storyline. I loved the flashback. The timing of when she tells, even when she tells uh, Lorna the story of being cloned and how it's all five and I haven't even told Reva, using that <laughs> emotional connection in uh, the most conniving, manipulative, and yet acceptable, acceptable way possible. Where I truly believed her. Not just the story, but I believe she actually cared. She actually wanted to justify her action to Lorna. No, Heather has a thought. Well, I would just want, do you think that's still a manipulative tactic, seeming authentic? Because if so, I was fooled because I thought that was a 100% actual. it was manipulative. They had mm-hmm. something they wanted and they need Lorna for it. And she told, it's not like she told Lorna for no reason. She does say, oh, even if you decide to leave, but she knows what she's doing. Listen, we've all, okay, not we, but. I've definitely had to trick a girl by being emotional and not that I was going to give not give this story, but I'm like breaking down your wall and I know what I want the outcome to be. Now, that doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen. However, I know 
exactly what I'm doing. She knew exactly what she was doing going to that room. She just also meant the word. So it's the best of both worlds. It's when when the thing you want is sincere and also a selling point. Yeah, I suppose so. I guess that doesn't really strike as manipulative to me because when I think of manipulative, it implies trying to urge you to make a decision that's not necessarily your own. That's the best kind of manipulation. Here's the thing. It's, it's not manipulative if it was on her own, but it is influenced by Riva. Mm. That is what makes it manipulative. She didn't tell her when they were sitting there just having latte or whatever they were having with almond milk or... Yeah, uh, it was... Chamomile. It was yeah, your out because her other clone sisters were like, you're going to do it. Fix and it. This is the tool she used to do it. It was sincere because it was true, but it was influenced from a place of, I need this to happen. Therefore, it was manipulation. Do she um, understands me. Steph... Uh, Nicholas Kelly in the chat said that they're the clones of Emma Frost, who was the White Queen from the Hellfire Club. So that's really mm. interesting. I do think that we did start to see Esme. We started to see the more like humanized, sensitive side of her last episode. So it's kind of building on that. So I think a, some of it was genuine, but the plan was implanted. Plus, I want to say I just I love the I just now noticed it this episode that the actress uses different voices. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. she does like the different poses and whatnot, but I was like, I never noticed the different voices that I thought was really, really cool. Yeah. Do you guys think that Riva is connected to this bank in some way? Because what I could see tearing the Hellfire Club apart or tearing the inner circle apart and leaving the season off with Lorna taking Esme or whatever and making the Magneto Club or whatever you want to call it, um, would be Riva was making money by doing this and that's how she funded her whole takeover and they might be attacking the bank to eliminate the records i don't think so i think that the bank the bank itself is a whole topic because they they stated creed financial so it makes me think of graden creed who is uh victor creed and mystique's son uh, Sabretooth and mystique have a kid and graden creed hates his mutant past so much Mm. that he becomes a big part of the storyline of purifiers in the comic books so much so that they they resurrect him after his death because he's this like pure fire uh, uh, leader, and if that's the connection, I wonder if we get Graydon Creed. I also am now wondering who who QM is and what part he plays or she plays in the Riva story. I'm, I'm guessing it was a he, and that there's now another person who's even above Riva, but she's answering to somebody, and I need to know who that person is. And that's going to be a, a very revealing detail. Well, here's here's another revealing detail is that the Hellfire Club was one thing. The Inner Circle is another. Yes. So whoever is controlling Riva, you don't know what their intentions are. And you don't know if Riva's intentions of the world that she shows to everyone or the world that she says she wants is actually what she wants. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just a means to an end to her. So that's why I kind of see her and Creed being... I don't know, or whoever it is. I don't know. I think we're I think we're in for a huge twist, though. I yeah. think we're in for a major huge twist where Riva's on the side of purifiers or something like that. I don't think so. I think that her intent is not as clear as we are expecting. However, I don't see her being on the side of purifiers. I think she's even more dubious than we expected. Okay. Where nice, they, nice they, word choice. They want to <laughs> destroy all humans, not just have their own place. They want to... Okay, that makes sense. Eradicate all human life regardless. Something of that nature. Hmm. 
I'm interested. Uh, what do you guys think? Heather, yeah, I mean, I, I can see her being a purify her in her own right on the other side, trying to exterminate all humans. I think I can see her being an extremist in that way. I think she definitely has individual motives that are driving her, and she's not team-oriented. Uh, but I do think she is team mutant, like, forever. But I think she is more manipulative, and I don't think she would ever be with non-mutants. Got it. Okay. Let's uh, let's keep talking about that, because we moved from Esme into Reva. This whole thing started with Lorna's baby stopping the crying, and then, obviously, her humming the tune which was interesting how she got it from the baby's head. Um, I'm curious what it's like to be inside the mind of a baby. Like, that would yeah. be kind of freaking weird. Um, booby, booby. Oh my God. <laughs> Poop. So it's just like being in the mind of a teenage boy, it's basically. the same exact same. Got yeah. it. Okay, so I guess we can move on. Um, it was a really weird scene between Andy and Lorna really quick that we can touch on. It felt like a brother getting his sister for dinner. You yeah. Know, like, are you coming down for are you coming down for practice? <laughs> and she was like, get she, out of my room. She really wants you there. Let me leave my baby alone for a while. <laughs> I don't know. That was just weird to me. I agree. Lauren and, and Andy. Sorry, I didn't mean to No, no. Off. It's weird that they leave the baby just alone in the room. Yeah. They leave I, the baby, but I think it was more of something else also. I think that Andy and Rebecca's relationship is actually affecting Lorna in a much bigger way. It was very passive-aggressive in this episode. Lorna's has a disdain for Rebecca that w- we saw last episode, obviously. But even in this episode, she's not. she didn't even ask about Andy and how Andy and Rebecca are doing or anything like that. She automatically picks on something to complain going into it. And yes, she has a valid reason to, but I think there was more to it. She did not like Andy and Rebecca's team-up. She felt isolated and alone. And then she reacts to it and takes it out and projects it on Riva and everyone else there. Well, she also is somebody who's used to being in control. She is. She's used to being in charge. completely not in control here. So you can go back to season one. You can see she ran the Mutant Underground, but even when they wanted her to do certain things, she just went off on her own and did her own thing. Season one ends with her going off and doing mm-hmm. her own thing that she wants to do. So I think we're going to see sort of a faction split, obviously, in the inner circle this season. I'm just not sure if we're going to get it before the end or if it's going to be at the end once Reva's true intentions are exposed. Yeah. Whatever those are. for that. If there are true intentions to expose. Uh, Lauren and Andy, super weird. Um, I feel like... I feel like we could have come to the whole conclusion of Laura needs to take Andy out without Kate's scene with her, but it was still good to see. I'm just glad that, glad that Lauren had her like pivotal change. Yeah, like you know, finally. She's, yeah, she's been you know sort of low riding this whole time, and she finally had that like coming to Jesus, taking a stand moment. And I'm like, yes, now we're gonna build up some steam with her. Definitely. Well, and, in episode five point five. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And to see just with the psychologist, was she? Um, that's a you would never expect a little girl to have that capability inside yeah. of her. And even if you told them that she's a sociopath, you would never think it's to that level. I mean, turning your family inside out is that's we haven't seen a mutant go to that extent i mean enjoy it yeah and enjoy it see it with the smile she did it with no purpose there was no reason to kill that person because you're not even doing it to escape you literally did it just to show that you could and that reasoning and justification for rebecca's behavior and she's now in a situation where she's finding uh, a sociopathic 
contentment in manipulating Andy. Yeah. And and getting this reaction. And and so far Andy's going along with it. But what happens to Andy when he stops, when he doesn't like something she does, when she when he disagrees, when he's no longer the follower? We see that in sociopaths is they they tend to have a beta partner as killers. They have an assistant, someone that they they kind of feed off. And once that person becomes unviable to them, they destroy and move on to the next. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's going to be really interesting to see, especially because Andy's not the one with shields. I'm gonna, I'm excited to see what happens when her Ooh, powers hit Lauren's shields. That's a great point. Because that's what we're building up to. Because I think what's going to be more poignant is the fact that Lauren has accepted that Andy thinks they're doing the right thing. And she's actually started to see his side of things mm-hmm. to some degree. And that's going to be the most important thing for her to talk to him is that, she sees the point of view from the inner circle. But what she doesn't see is, or what Andy doesn't see, is that his girlfriend, Teeny Bopper, first baser, could, like, straight up turn him inside out. But how is Lauren going to convince him that she's that kind of person? But even he had, like, a sign when he, like, looked at the pancakes and saw the devil horns. There's, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of little yeah. micro, micro red flags. Like, even even at the, their, you know, You thought that was a red stiffers. flag? Because that was, uh... A go for me. <laughs> I, know. I think it, her pancakes are saying she's the goat. <laughs> Devil horns are hot. Devil horns on pancakes. That's the newest thing. Yeah, go to IHOP now. Use, after co- <laughs> use the buzz after buzz. Uh, actually, don't go to IHOP right now. Go to YouTube and hit that subscribe button for all of our channels. We have drama, sci-fi, reality, reality competition, wrestling, and uh, originals, as well as comedy and animation. You guys have so many channels to choose from, and whatever show is your cup of tea, that's the channel you go to. Hit subscribe now. Leave in the comments if you subscribe, and we'll give you a shout-out. Shout-out to everybody in the chat. Renji90998, Sabretooth, Nicholas Kelly, Steph Sabra. Hey, that's you. <laughs> and everybody else I've seen in there, Ivan Soto throughout. Please hit that thumbs up right now. we got 41 of you guys watching right now, which is great. Love you, that you guys watch every week. Please go to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and a comment so we can give you a shout-out on the show. I think the last one, I forgot who wrote it, but they said Tehran is their spirit animal. Oh, yeah. I love that would that. be me. Hi. I'm definitely not anyone's Hi. spirit animal. I'm just everyone's douche. Douche? You're my spirit animal. Thank you, Tehran. I appreciate that. They call uh, me clapback in the chat. <laughs> oh, my. To get back to Lauren and Kate, though, uh, I did like the scene. I liked that we're finally on the same page with these two characters. <laughs> Mom and daughter teaming up. We need to get Andy back because we're out of Capri Sun. Like I'm that very really ex- bomb. The Capri Sun thing really stuck with you. People <laughs> randomly bring that up to me. Does. <laughs> it's just saying saying it in that voice is very satisfying. I apologize. Uh, let's move on to Jace and the Purifiers, which is the best cover band. Um, man, these guys are so off kilter. Like they're not even just like. A group. They're like, we got guns, though, right? <laughs> like, they're ex- exaggeratingly yeah. aggressive, which I guess isn't even exaggerating. Like, I haven't experienced much interaction with hate groups, but I would assume they're pretty aggressive and pretty Great bad people. Great disclaimer, Steven. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to, like, you. put that out there. <laughs> Safe. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe they're not exaggeratedly, dis- ex- like, aggressive. Maybe they're just assholes like that. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I'm really doubting Jace's capability. I think I still think he's going to get his redemption, but man, like there's so many red flags here. Like Jace isn't dating Rebecca. Jace is with a hate group. 
And his whole, like, the fact that he's, he went from being weary to kind of trying to take leadership to being like, we're the good guys. Like, he really, there's a, a switch flipped inside and he's like, no, we are really good. Like, more so than I think we've seen before. And I feel like even with Shatter, that's the next level of desensitizing him to the entire situation where he's like, any means possible. Well, of course, Let's in hear true Terran yeah. fashion, I disagree. I actually don't think he thinks that the purifiers are good people. He, they are a no, good tool. He's convincing and he, himself. He's yeah, convincing them. The right I think he's he is using his powers of the, once again being manipulative and charging them. He realizes that he is in this group of people. As far as we can tell, with the exaggeration as they go, he's the smartest person, and him. And his uh, his co-patriot, the Joe Biden guy, who because he's he's the purifier Obama, the purifier (laughs) Obama, and the purifier Joe Biden, Ned Flanders, is and who is supposed to be in charge. You see him give that speech and make all the purifiers go, "Yes, we can," and they're all on board. But he's not on board with their actions. He even kind of mocks Mister Fifty Cal, and he understands that you do. And there's this line that is in the show that pertains to him as well, crack some eggs to make some omelets. And that's what he's thinking he's doing, but he wasn't prepared to crack the egg. He shattered the egg. Shattered the egg, and he was there uh, on the chair just thinking to himself, was like, this is not what I wanted to happen. He's getting his results, but to him right now, he's trying to convince himself that the ends justify the means, but he does not like the means whatsoever. He's drinking the Patron with them as we speak. Yeah, he's partying it up. I don't think so. I think that he's thinking of their next move because he still has his own mission and he's utilizing them to get there. And once he gets there, that's going to be the frame where they realize that he's, they're going to turn, they're going to turn on him. Because he won't be as dedicated to hate as they are. I think he that, wants the truth. That one dude with the fifty cal is like the one who's going to turn on him and knock him out or something and do something he doesn't. He needs to go. Um, can we all agree that Shadow's name should have been Onyx because he turned things into Onyx? He's like, not a Pokemon. No, when he died, it was Shatter. <laughs> should have been. Uh... <laughs> I think that's why they didn't feel, name yeah. him until then. Um, Pretty Should bad have been way. Ouch! Actually, if you really... pretty uh, pretty bad way to die, being half turned into a rock and then shattered. Not even shatters death, but the dude he killed. Like that's that seemed like a pretty painful way to go. And yeah. then his blood was little pieces of crystal. That was pretty. Yeah. It was actually very cool. His power was cool. Cool. The the storyline about yeah. how he had the scar on his eye was very cool. I woke up one day and I had to deal with it. I saw a monster and I try to, you know, take it out of myself and I shattered something. Well, they definitely didn't phone in the makeup at all. The no, makeup was yeah. done really well that's on the character. That's why they killed him. Yeah. They he, ran out of a makeup budget. You're so that's right. That's why. <laughs> Can't chisel those cheeks forever. <laughs> I know. That looked cool. I don't think they did that in the first season. I don't think he had like the no. the most definition on his cheeks and forehead. And that threw me off guard. But even the shatter mark looked way cooler this season. Looked really good. I mean, the actor's got some really great footage reel and stuff. And he's going <laughs> to move on. We're just sad he's gone. Yeah, yeah I, I'm just kind of sad he's gone. Because he's one of the coolest characters. I was really in. Um, let's move on to Reed crying in a corner. We <laughs> talked about him a little bit more. But what do you think this is putting Reed on the path of? That's a good question. I'm not sure, but I I do think that at the end of the day, Reed and John and Eclipse are the leaders of the group right now. And I think 
he will come to terms with that. I just, I don't know how he's going to get there. But I think Tehran made a good point. I think training with Eclipse would be a good idea. Yeah, not a bad, not a bad call. I think Reed should just go try to high five Reva. <laughs> it's training. <laughs> with any one of the mutants who actually has a power and isn't just super strong. Which is basically, John, while being super strong, is just any athlete in the world times 10. This is a power where it's uncontrollable at the end where he can't turn it off. That's always been a thing that I've thought about. About if you have a mutant power and you're flying, it, it manifests itself out of nowhere. You're flying and all of a sudden it just goes away. I mean, stuff like that happens to us as people all the time where an ability we have stops being as top-notch performance because of whatever. Okay? I won't Yeah, they, <laughs> should, they should not name the but flying mutants flat. It happens to everyone. Don't worry. <laughs> but the concept is this is a great storyline. I really enjoy it. Reed is going to have to, just for the sake of the show, is going to have to learn how to control his powers, obviously. But does he? I want to know, do you think his dad knew what his power would be and disabled it because of its destructiveness and inability to turn off? I just think he knew it was going to be exponentially powerful given the lineage. Yeah. I don't think he knew specifically because they tend to not manifest in that way. Yeah, that's true. Pretty terrifying, though. Do we think it's just kind of an overload because he's been holding it back so long and it's probably going to wear off soon? Yeah. I, I was thinking that. I think when you repress something so long, it has to react in a certain way. It's clearly been inside of him in some form or another. So I think it will taper down. I mean, has to. I mean, he could have a job in the Morlocks by carving M's into people's <laughs> face. Oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think cursive. We, we're over overstating the the powers of Reed. I, I like I like where your guys' theory is. Like it's been repressed, so it's it's coming back in full force. But I, I think it's more like a reaction. It, I'm. It's almost like I need to go to sleep because I have to wake up early, and now I can't go to sleep because I keep thinking about how I need the to anxiety. Go to sleep. Yeah, it's anxiety induced, and so it's just become it's become circular. It's a the more he thinks about how it's not turning off it's not turning off um let's get into predictions before we wrap this up because we only got about 60 seconds left i predict that next episode there will be no mention of reed's powers or anything and we're we're going to have missed episode 6.5 and be completely left in the dark um this is kind of a future thing i feel like rebecca's gonna try to get at lauren and then lauren and andy's gonna have to make a decision and that's when lauren and andy link up again but that's when Rebecca dies. Die. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> I think that I'm going to throw one out. We're going to get a big player by the end of this season. And when I say big, I'm talking about apocalypse big. I think that the person in charge of the uh, the inner circle is going to be someone who is a massive mutant Marvel. A Marvel mutant. And we're all going to be like, oh, my gosh. Do you think QM could be... Q something Magneto or it's there's there's a lot of a lot of predictions a lot of people that QM could be possibly I just really liked it Heather I predict that the inner circle will faction off and Esme will split off from her sisters yes I predict that Rebecca will try to replace Lauren and link up with Andy And their powers will pair together in some awful way, motivating Lauren to 
get rid of that Rebecca chick. And I predict that QM stands for Quasimodo. <laughs> I think oh, that's pretty great. I think that um, I think it's a Von Strucker thing to connect your hands and have the powers combine. We can roll the music. Let's start getting out of here. Um, but I think that Rebecca's going to start using her powers against Lauren. Lauren's going to use her shields to defend against it. She's going to start failing, and then Andy's going to come in and grab her hand, which is going to overpower Rebecca and turn Rebecca inside out. Did anyone Whoa. notice the other two clones do the same head gestures in the in one direction while Esme does it in a separate one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's going to play a bigger part than we think. Hey, where can we find you to tell you how right or wrong you are? Well, on Instagram, you can find me at heather.wake. On Twitter, you can find me at heather underscore wake. And you can catch both Tehran and myself on Sunday nights for the After Buzz Supergirl panel. I've never seen you before in my life. But you can find me at I am Tehran all across the board. That's I A M T E H R A N as in Nancy, because that is actually my middle name. Tehran, can you run outside to buy us some time real quick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Steph Sabra. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Steph Sabra. And you guys can find me at Twitter at Stephen Lemieux, S T P H N L E M I U X, as the superpower Duche. <laughs> and this episode, I only further solidified it. We will see you next week for season two, episode seven, also covering episode 6.5. Of course. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.